0: hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. Get ready to hear from your favorite Instagram gardeners, allotmenteers, flower farmers and plant gurus on this season of the podcast. We'll be hearing people's stories of how they discovered the joy of gardening, learning about their growing spaces, and of course hearing about their biggest achievements and fabulous garden fails because we all have them. I hope you love listening to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants just as much as we enjoy recording. And if you do, it would really mean the world to me if you could leave us a review because it really helps to get the word out to more planty people and share these amazing stories. This season is sponsored by Akai Outdoor Wear, which if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that barely a day goes by that I'm not dressed head to toe in their clothing, which is really made to last. I live in their thermal outdoor skinny trousers during the winter, which are bramble proof, waterproof and wipeable, perfect for days at the farm or the allotment. I've certainly put them through their paces and have been so impressed with the comfortable fit and durability of each and every item. And I have quite the collection now. So if you're keen to add some acai pieces to your wardrobe, they've kindly offered podcast listeners an exclusive discount. So head over to the website and use code DOALG20 for 20% off your orders over £50. This offer ends on the 31st of May 2023. In today's episode, I chatted with the lovely Emma from Emma's Allotment Diaries on Instagram about her growing space and was fascinated to compare the stories of our experiences. Emma shared her tales of learning to grow where something will go ridiculously well one year and then the next, with absolutely no warning, will be one of your fabulous fails. Be it a pumpkin arch or a carrot patch, we all have our nemesis. It's been a while since I've had an allotment guest on the podcast, so it's fab to share our vegetables and tribulations whilst getting excited for the year ahead, where both of us have decided to go back to basics. So I hope you'll enjoy. Good morning, Emma. How are you?
1: Hello. It's nice to be here.
0: Thank you for coming on. I'm very excited to chat to you about your exciting allotment adventures. Yes. So I'd like to go right back to the beginning of where your kind of interest or love of gardening began. If you're happy to share your story.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um. So I grew up in South London, and um, we had quite a typical kind of um, suburban garden. Um, and what I mean by that is we had the rectangular lawn, uh, the flower beds either side. And um, my mum and dad would kind of, you know, mow the lawn to within an inch of its life to capitate <laughs> all the daisies. Um, and my mum would spend weekends weeding, and that was kind of my upbringing of what a garden should be. Um, and then I had lots of events happened in my life. I had children, um, and I lost my nan. My nan died of cancer, and uh, I also lost my job the same year. Um, and so all of these kind of events drew me to outside and I honestly can't tell you why I was so drawn to being outside but I I think looking back because I've been asked this question a few times now I think it was all of these things that happened to me that just drew me to wanting to be outside wanting to grow Um, and at the time we were renting and we had a beautiful garden we were so lucky because we're in London Um, we had such a lovely garden but we were not allowed to touch it because we're renting. So, you know, the only thing we're allowed to do is mow the lawn, that was it. And I wanted to get out there and put seeds in the ground and try stuff and grow stuff. Um, So we had an allotment site just opposite where we lived. And I remember contacting the council and being like, hey, can I have one of those allotment plots please? Not knowing anything about an allotment site or anything to do with it. Um, And they said, yeah, that's great. We'll put you on the list. It's about three to five years waiting list. And I was like, oh, my God, like three to five years just to get a little piece of land to grow on. Um, so I didn't give in. I kept emailing them and asking, have you got any plots yet? Have you got any plots yet? Um, and they had a community uh, allotment plot there. And they opened the gates to kind of like any member of the public to go in twice a week. So I thought, oh, OK, I'll, I'll do that. I'll go and do that. So I started going to that Mondays and Fridays. And. When I got there, I looked around the site and I noticed that there were all these plots that were kind of like uh, overgrown blackberry jungles, just just loads of them. And I remember saying to the people there, like, are these allotment plots? Like, can I have one of those? Because it doesn't look like anyone's using them. And they said, oh, no one wants them. No one ever goes near them. You have to wait for a proper plot to to open up. And I went back to the council and said, can I just have one of them? (laughs) And they said, yeah, okay, if you want one, thinking I was absolutely crazy. Um, And I just took the biggest one that I could find. Um, And that's how I got my allotment plot. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. And do you know what? The amount of people that have come on here and said that the only way they got their allotment was with kind of pestering and keeping going and keeping pushing on. Um, but to see to know that the plots were literally there and they weren't even being offered out, you'd think that they would at least go, look, it's three to five years wait, but if you really don't want to wait, there's you can you can tackle this jungle. Please be my guest.
1: I know, and absolutely. And the thing is, is about having so many plots that are like that, it has a detrimental effect on other people's plots. And I realize that now as an allotment plot holder. So, you know, I've got a couple of plots near me that are abandoned and the weeds just come straight over onto my plot I'm constantly cutting them back and I just want someone to come and just chop it all down and actually use the space it is actually really sad there's always wasted plots out there
0: definitely and was it super satisfying as well to kind of when you start with such a jungle when you get it to a kind of usable state it's just the biggest achievement
1: yeah, it is absolutely amazing. I mean, I did it all with like a pair of rusty shears <laughs> with no gardening knowledge. Um, And I'd just rock up there after the school run. So i drop my kids at school, go to the allotment plot, and I'd just chop and chop and chop. And I just had all these dreams in my mind of what my allotment plot was going to look like at the end. And that just kept me going, you know?
0: Yeah. And how long would you say it took you to clear it in the first, first instance?
1: Oh, my goodness. So I got it in autumn time. I was quite lucky, um, Mm -hmm. because it was the end of the growing season. Um, I think it probably took me from the October that I got the plot to the first spring to have half of it cleared, because I did it all by hand. So, (laughs) yeah, it took me a while, but um, I was growing that first spring, which I'm quite proud of
0: definitely like as soon as you've got a little patch it's just that kind of you're raring to go aren't you it's such an exciting time I think that the first allotment as well there's just always something so special about it when you don't necessarily know what's to come like imagine that you now could tell yourself how long have you had your plot for now
1: Ah, uh, three years imagine you could tell
0: yourself three years ago like quite what a game changer having this allotment was going to be
1: yeah yeah well not I mean it's not just about um, the actual plot and growing I mean I've built a kind of career around um, having my allotment plot and getting my allotment plot you know I've um, I'm on Instagram now and I YouTube as well which has become a massive part of my allotment life Um, I also write for magazines on a freelance basis so it, it my allotment plot has literally changed my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes and they are the best stories it's changed my life too so I'm happy to hear about someone else who's I mean every it's changed everyone's life in some way but it's that real kind of it's no longer a hobby is it it's kind of your life.
1: Absolutely yeah.
0: So can you tell us a bit more about your growing space kind of how big is it do you have a poly- uh, polytunnel a greenhouse talk walk up take us through kind of a talking tour of the plot.
1: <laughs> okay um, so it's 135 square meters um, so, it's a good size, it's not massive. I think it's half a plot or something. I, I think somebody's got a smaller end of it, and that's quite typical in London. They chop up allotment plots to make sure more people can get them, um, makes it more manageable as well. Um, I would like more space, but hey, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, so, I've got a, a pink shed at the front of my plot. It was very important to me that I painted it pink because it's my space. It's not my children's space, it's not my home garden, it's not for my husband, it's for me. So painting my shed pink was like an act of rebellion because it was like, this is mine <laughs> and no one else is allowed in here. Um, I've got I've got raised beds, but they are very wonky. They are made from floorboards, scaffold boards, um, any pieces of wood I could find, pallet wood. I've whacked them all together. Um, I wanted to spend as little money on my allotment plot as I could um, because I didn't have money at the time. And also, I don't think you need to spend loads of money to have a really good, productive allotment plot. I think you just need seeds and soil and away you go. Um, I have a polytunnel. Uh, It is my third polytunnel because my first two blew away. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. I made the mistake of just whacking it up uh, in the winter thinking, that'd be ready for the spring. Uh, Went back a couple of weeks later and it was in my neighbor's apple tree. They actually don't know that. And I I don't know if they watch my vlogs or anything, but I've said it a few times and I realized they they will never know that my polytunnel was literally in their apple tree. I had to yank it out and it was broken the second polytunnel blew away I never found it Oh, oh no. no idea where it went with the frame and everything um so this is my third one I'm happy to say it's still standing amazing
0: yeah. <laughs> would you say you learned a good lesson from the first two on how to secure it
1: yeah I definitely did yeah, I got a telling off on YouTube as well when I put it up. A lot of my viewers reminded me, make sure you dig it in, make sure you stake it in make sure you buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um so what else do you have growing on your space? I know that the pumpkin archway was one of the most beautiful things that you had last year.
1: Yes, yeah, so I am very proud of my pumpkin archway. um I grew it the first year I grew it, I uh, made the mistake of growing like, giant pumpkins up it so like the um jack-o-lantern ones um thinking that climb that'd be fine no it they got so big and I spent like the whole rest of the year like trying to support the archway and just terrified it was all going to come in um the second year I put in smaller varieties so i've used like uh jack be littles baby booze um kiki i think is how you say it mm-hmm. so all those smaller varieties and it was it was magical it just grew like crazy it was absolutely insane uh best thing i've ever done in my life the third year last year i thought okay i'm an i'm an expert now i know how to do a pumpkin archway this is amazing i'm gonna do a grow along I'm going to feel my progress. It's going to be so good. Everyone's going to love it. Everyone's going to be so impressed. Obviously, all of my pumpkins died. No. Yeah, absolutely. Put them all in. uh, Exactly the same as I've done the year before. All died. Um, Pigeons ate them. And then the slugs came. And then some of them just died for no reason. No idea why. Don't know. Um, And I managed to get one growing, I'd already started like this whole series of like the pumpkin archway and let's all grow together. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. And it's taught me probably one of the biggest lessons, which is just because something grows well one year doesn't mean it will grow well the next year. And you're not an expert, even if you (laughs) grow something really well, that does not make you an expert. And sometimes when you put something in and it grows really, really well, That's the worst thing that can happen because you haven't learned anything. You've just whacked it in and it's just grown.
0: (laughs) That is so true. People say this all the time. And, you know, when people go, well, I did tell you that you shouldn't have done that. And you're like, I know, but I never would have remembered that that was the wrong thing to do unless I did it for myself.
1: Yeah, definitely. We learn more from our failures in the garden than we would ever learn from all of our successes, especially when you know, like so much of what I put in has just grown. Um, and it's the years where it hasn't grown that I've learned the most and feel more confident with growing that particular thing.
0: Absolutely. So, do you have any other epic garden fails that you'd like to share? I think it's one of those things that is so important to talk about all the things that don't go right as much as the things that do. Because, like you say, you learn so much. When something doesn't go right, you really have that kind of inquisitive nature to deep dive into what what you've done wrong or what how the weather has affected that what is the reason why it failed or as a success you go oh fantastic it's great that's yeah that's that
1: yeah exactly I mean I've never ever been able to grow a significant in size like carrot um so all my carrots have been tiny um and spindly and I have tried it in a pot I've done it in a raised bed I've added sand I've, I mean, I've done everything right um never been able to grow a carrot ever and that's quite a weird thing for like someone who's had an allotment plot for three years to say that you've never been able to grow a carrot it's like that's like a staple vegetable but never been able to do a carrot um I've had so many fails so many, more more than I could ever <laughs> um, I mean one of the, the the things that I did that I I don't want to say I regret but that's had a massive impact on my plot is that I planted some nasturtiums and I cannot get rid of nasturtiums from my allotment plot like they multiply every year and last year I didn't think they were going to grow I thought oh yes I've got rid of them they're gone and then we kind of had this warmer uh, like September and they exploded and they they went everywhere they swamped my pumpkins they just they just went crazy and I like nasturtiums don't get me wrong they're beautiful lovely they taste good great in a salad but my goodness I've got like three raised beds now which just become like explode with nasturtiums every single year
0: (laughs) you need to start a little edible flower business where you're just selling the nasturtiums that you cannot get rid of make the best of a bad situation
1: yeah that's a good idea (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, so I would love to know a bit about how you plan your space this is something that really intrigues me because some people are kind of like uh, they just take their seed packets to the plot scatter the seeds where they feel like some people are very vigorous planners and I know that you have got a new planner so I'd love to hear more
1: I do I do I have released a planner this year um, which is so weird I can't believe I'm saying that but I basically couldn't find an allotment planner that worked for me personally. Um, if you buy an allotment planner, usually it has, well, most of the ones that I found, it has this big section um, on like plant records. So you just have pages and pages where you have to write down what plant you've sown, where you've sown it, what time you've sown it, what the conditions were, how much you, like just pages and pages. And I was like, I'm not gonna use that. Like I most of what I grow dies. There's no point in me filling this in for hours and hours. So I designed my ideal planner and it's taken it right back to simplicity. Lots of tick boxes. Love a good tick box.
0: Same. Um, It's like a to-do list. Very satisfying.
1: So satisfying Um, and so easy to plan and jot down what you're going to do the day before, knowing it's a little tick box. Um, But how I plan my allotment plot is I write down I reflect at the end of the year, basically. I write down the things that I really enjoyed growing, things that I could not live without the next year, could not, you know, live without pumpkins. I cannot not grow tomatoes. I have to have courgettes because these are things that I love. Um, so I jot down a big list of all the things I want to grow. Then, um, now I've got this planner. I basically put those things into where, when I need to sow them. Basically, so I need to start my tomato seeds in end of February. I need to start my courgettes in March if I'm going to have the best harvest of them. You know, and so I, I do that, and then I guess in a way it is kind of a bit of a sporadic kind of going to the plot and then finding space where I can. I'm I'm quite I like to just leave it a little bit open because, like I said, things die, things don't always work. Um, And you have to be you have to adapt really quickly. And I still want the space. I want the space to be productive, but I also want it to be fun and enjoyable. And if I'm really like if I'm too set on where things should go, I think it becomes more of a job and more of a chore. But if I'm more fluid and I'm just like, oh, hey. My neighbour just gave me some courgette plants. I'm just gonna whack some more in here. Or, you know, oh, the pumpkin died. Never mind, rip it out. Let's throw in some carrot seeds there. You know, so I like to be a little bit, you know, more fluid with it.
0: I think that's a really good way to look at it as well, because it's that kind of you're you're not sort of sitting on a failure and going, Oh God, I can't believe, I can't believe my pumpkins have gone and oh it's so terrible instead you're kind of moving on to the next thing being like right what can we what can we put in next how can we utilize the space better and I think that that's part of the enjoyment isn't it is that kind of sometimes you do have to think on your feet I think even if you are the like the most meticulous planner not everything goes your way in nature and so you have to adapt and kind of change things up I think I've already planned my allotment for this year about six times and it's changed every single time and then I was at the allotment the other day and my mum was like oh what about this and what about this and I was like oh I don't know why I'm bothering to plan because by the time that the seeds and the plants are ready that's when I'm gonna go right this is going here this is going here this is going here
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean one of the most annoying things that I did um when I first got my allotment plot was that I grew things like um chard. And then I like I threw in all my strawberry plants and they're quite permanent when you put them in. So um, my child just stayed there for like two years and didn't move and it was just there. And it just annoyed me in the end. I ended up digging it all up, which was such a waste. But I think because it was so permanent um, and like recently I've moved all of my strawberries out of a raised bed and into like a planter because mm-hmm. I just want the space and I want to be able to put something else there. I don't want strawberries every single year in the same place in the same plot do you know what
0: I mean yeah absolutely and like you say you can never have too much space really like every time I get a little bit more growing space I think oh but if I just had a bit more I could do this and this and this and
1: that and this (laughs) yes definitely (laughs) um do you have any rituals
0: when you go to the allotment like things that you just always do kind of unconsciously while you're there like for me I Always bring a little pot of water so I can make a cup of tea because it's the only thing that makes me sit down for a minute and actually enjoy the space rather than constantly feeling like I have to kind of be busy and doing things. So I'd love to hear if you have anything like that.
1: Yeah that's that's really nice actually that's actually a really good idea (laughs) because I'm terrible at just um sitting down and just enjoying my actual space um but I think that's because I don't always get a lot of time to go down there um so I won't be too hard on myself but I I definitely do want to sit more um I I suppose I I always take a bit of um uh I was gonna say like a head count of all my plants I guess it is like a head count I go in (laughs) like I take a register um and I walk up and down my plot and I look through all of my raised beds and I'm like right who's alive who's died who needs some help um okay cat's been digging there so that is like definitely a ritual I get there I walk up and down and I just look around how's everyone doing you know it's like seeing all of my friends (laughs) yeah
0: that's so true as well and you know what's something that I've done unconsciously forever you just is that that kind of like I don't know. You what you're looking out for the differences between like the the last time you were there and now. So like at this time of year, especially, you're like, oh my god, what's that poking through the ground? Is that a
1: tulip? Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very exciting at this time. And um, but usually for me, it's like, where's the fox been digging? Where's the cat? The <laughs> <poo?"> <laughs> and having to like remove it all and stuff. So
0: <laughs> not quite as an enjoyable task. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, you mentioned having children. Do your children like to get involved with the allotment, or are they more kind of they'd rather leave it to you?
1: They do. Um, my son is more involved than my daughter. My son is eight, um, so I've sort of um, and I, so obviously I got my allotment plot when he was quite little so he's been brought up with the allotment plot which is really nice um they only really like to go in the summertime when Mm -hmm. it's warm
0: (laughs) fair weather gardeners
1: (laughs) absolutely that's the word I was looking for yes they are oh my goodness they do like it I like being able to have another space another outdoor space that's ours away from our back garden um there's something quite nice about it's because it's a 20 minute walk from my house my allotment plot There's something really nice about being able to take my kids somewhere that's not a park, it's not a shared space, it's not just our back garden, which can get quite boring for them, um, and then just take them somewhere that's really different, you know, and it's a unique experience, really, because not many people are lucky enough to have an allotment plot, Um, And they love it there. They love all the because I've got wildlife pond. They like looking in that. They bring their little toys and make little boats on there and stuff. I don't know if that affects the wildlife actually. (laughs) They do that. Just thinking about it, they're like disturbing it all. But they love. They love it. They love digging as well. Mm -hmm. They they dig holes everywhere. They're they're worse than the (laughs) fox. But yeah, they they like they like the allotment plot. I like. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I
0: think it's such a great place for kids as well to kind of like just be a bit more free reign and be able to explore without, without you kind of telling them where they can and can't go because it's a public space that's a bit dangerous. Um, lots of people always ask me that because I have my nephews come down to the allotment quite a lot, the babies, but they, I like, I've never met children that are more kind of responsible. Like they'll pick up the hoary hoi knife, but they know you to walk with it very carefully, and they'll they won't do it kind of unsupervised and there's lots of things where where other children would like rip the leaves off plants and things they're very delicate and gentle and you can tell that they've kind of always grown up around that
1: yeah that, that environment is, that's nice that's really nice and also just that they know where their food is coming from yeah where are coming from you know like um because I always remember before I used to grow my own food um the kids were really really young and then we went to a farmer's market and I brought these carrots that still had the green tops on and my kids were so like fascinated with it. They'd never seen the green top to a carrot before and they couldn't understand. They were like, where does this come from? Does it grow? How does it grow in the ground? And yeah, I, I think I think actually would be surprised by how many kids probably don't know where their food comes from, uh, which is really, really sad actually. And I'm gonna be honest, there are things that I didn't know where where it came from. Like there are vegetables that I grow now like sprouts okay sprouts fascinate me I was so too (laughs) I had no idea where sprouts came from or how they grew I was like I thought in my head that they would be like a pea pod Mm -hmm. and you open up the pea pod and you get the sprouts right because we grow peas and we grow beans and I was thinking and then when they grew and I was looking for them where are the sprouts where are the sprouts where are the pea pods how do they grow and then they all appear like on the stalk, in between the leaves. I mean, that is insane, isn't it? Why? Why do sprouts do that? Why? Why have they chosen to do that? <laughs> peas have got these pea pods. Like, why do vegetables grow in different ways? It is just so weird. Um, but yeah, there were loads of vegetables like that that I didn't know where how they grew or where how I pick them. How do I harvest them? How do I eat them? I grew these peas once. Um, I don't remember what variety they were because I'm terrible at looking at varieties. I'm often someone who just picks up packets of seeds because of the Me too. On the front. Um, and I brought these peas, I grew them, and then I tried to eat the whole pea pod. And it was disgusting. It was like eating a hairy slug. <laughs> and I was like, what on earth is going on? I thought you could just eat the whole pea pod. But these ones, no, you couldn't. You had to open them up and take the peas out. So... I'm still learning all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I think it's what it opens your mind to like a whole new world of Like the supermarket varieties are very, very limited. And if you see something cool in the supermarket, it's still probably something that on the scale of the coolest vegetables, you can grow to like the most bland supermarket vegetables. It's probably still only a two if it's in the supermarket and it's something that's slightly unusual. Whereas once you start exploring the different varieties, it's like a whole new world of vegetables and fruits that you never even knew were there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen kohlrabi uh in my local supermarket ever (laughs) so so that that's interesting and there's also a salad leaf um I can't remember what it's called is it mizuna something like that um I've never seen that in the supermarket before I'm sure it's there but I've never seen it
0: (laughs) yeah definitely and like the different colors and the the like sheer flavor of a homegrown crop instead of the ones in the supermarkets when we run the mini gardeners club we always ask them what they think things come from so like how would you grow a potato and people would be like oh do they come from a seed do they what do you plant the potato and it's amazing to see how many children don't know even the simple things like do you know what looking back I don't know maybe I didn't know that potato came from the ground I don't know specifically but the garlic was the one that everyone was really kind of fascinated by that you actually plant a piece of garlic and then it turns into a bulb of garlic yeah you plant it in the winter when it's really cold and it needs the frost to kind of develop properly like there's so many unusual very specific things about growing a garlic that does They're rules that don't apply to any other other vegetable and it's just kind of kind of mad really isn't it it
1: is it is mad I mean it's still mad that you know to grow sweet corn you put a little Bit of sweet corn in the ground, <laughs> yeah, the sweet corn plant.
0: <laughs> that is insane. And lots of the children last week were going, "Can we grow popcorn?" And someone's going, "Don't be stupid, you can't grow popcorn." And I was like, "Yeah, you can. That's literally yeah. what popcorn is. It comes from corn." Yeah, yeah,
1: that is that is crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so I'd love to hear about some of your kind of biggest successes from last year that you will definitely be carrying into twenty twenty three.
1: Um, Okay, biggest successes. Well, oh, parsnips. Um, No way. (laughs) A very, very surprising success. Um, I made a brand new raised bed at the beginning of last year, right? And I did it properly. I mean, like, I didn't scrimp on any of the stages. So it was a proper no dig bed. We've got the cardboard, we've got the layers and manure, I let it all rot down. Um, I kept it covered as well to warm up the soil. I mean, I really, really went for it and um, couldn't think what to put in it. And I thought, i would just scatter some parsnip seeds in there. So I did. And my goodness, I they grew to like extraordinary, extraordinary lengths. Like they were massive, so big that most of them I couldn't get out of the ground without snapping them. No um, way. Which was very frustrating. <laughs> I wanted the whole thing. But yeah, they... they Went crazy. And um, I didn't dig them up until just before Christmas, um, after the frost that we had, and then I knew they would be sweeter or whatever. But my I could not believe the size of these parsnips. So that was that's my biggest surprise harvest that I've probably ever had. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're quite a difficult thing to get right as well, I think.
1: That's because the seeds,
0: play. the seeds are yeah. so slow to germinate, you never quite know whether they're like working their magic or not. I had one really good parsnip this year and the rest were a bit. And...
1: Yeah, this is what people tell me that they're really. This is why it was so surprising because yeah. you know. But then obviously, I can't turn around now and say I'm a parsnip expert because that's <laughs> not the way it works. <laughs> I don't next know year. though, <laughs> Next year, you might you might be in
0: luck if you if you, I guess you can kind of take some lessons from the fact that that was a really well prepared bed. And yeah. Be like, okay. Guess, they just need was. that yeah. extra TLC.
1: I guess it was, maybe we got lucky with the weather too. Mm. I know too, um, they need very specific kind of um, like an environment and weather and stuff like that. I don't know if I just got lucky. I might just go and just do the exact same thing that I did again. I'll wear the same clothes. I'll turn up on the same day. Yeah. Throw them into the same bed. See, see what happens.
0: <laughs> I think it's worth a try. Definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, also um, my pumpkins. Um, the one pumpkin plant that did grow, that was very, very successful last year. Um, I got lots of Jappy Littles and I absolutely love them. They are the cutest pumpkin. I'm so glad that I got so many. Um, they make great table decorations for Halloween, the smaller ones that aren't quite ripe. Um, mm-hmm. but also I cooked them, um, sweet as a dessert and I didn't know you Ooh. could do that. Yeah. Didn't know you could do that. So you open it up and take out the seeds then you put in some brown sugar and I think a little bit of butter. And then you put the whole thing into the oven. Uh, don't know how long for, can't remember. <laughs> Probably 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And then you put a little, little bit of whipped cream on the top. And Ooh. you just literally eat the pumpkin like it's a bowl. And it was honestly, never thought about eating like sweet pumpkin like that. It was so That's, good.
0: That sounds delicious. Almost like a baked apple, but
1: awesome. yeah. yeah, pumpkin vibes. Exactly. Mm. It was very
0: nice. <laughs> well, I might have to add Jack B. Little to my list just so that I can make those. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I feel like we kind of skipped skipped a question that I really wanted to ask. So you said about your children preferring the summer on the allotment, but how do you find winter on the allotment? Is it a time for you when you is it kind of like a bit of downtime or, or are you super productive
1: throughout the winter months? Um, so this is the first year that I sort of took December off. Um, And what I mean by that is I went down probably twice. I went down just to harvest some parsnips and then just to pick some sprouts for Christmas. And then I just took a break. Um, Before then, I've been someone who just I rock up at the plot all year round, you know, almost every single week. Um, Even if I don't do any gardening jobs, I just like to go there for the walk, just to be in nature, just to have a space to go. That's not a park. Like I said before, it's so nice to have your own sort of private nature reserve really um yeah um but this year yeah last year was the year that i took december off and it's made such a difference um so when january came around it's the first time i felt really really excited again for like growing for spring um and i would just say to anyone who like who's a bit like me and can't stay away from there if you just take that bit of a break It makes it like it makes such a difference. Like you really want to go down. It really inspires me. And then I spent that time um, looking at other people's Instagrams of their allotments, looking what other people have been up to, which I don't always get time to do. Watching lots of other YouTubers who um, are showing their plots and end of year reviews. It's so inspiring just to step away Um, And I didn't realise how important it was to actually take time away. So I will be taking a little bit of time over winter from now on away from my plot. But I wasn't doing that before. No, Mm -hmm. I I, I was pushing through.
0: (laughs) That's so interesting to know, though, because so I'm on my four. This is my fifth growing season and years one, two and three. I got such like what I call allotment fatigue in like November time. Yeah. Where my lease always comes up in, I think it's the end of October. And I get that email being like it's time to pay your annual fee. Yeah. And because I'm at that point where I'm a bit allotment fatigued, every year I'm like, maybe, maybe I should give it up now. Maybe I should give it up. Yeah. But then last year, because I barely had any time to spend down there because I was so busy with other stuff. It got to winter and I had a bit more time and I was so excited. I was like, yeah, going to rip all the plants up and start afresh and like really crack on. And I do think that taking that time away its that absence makes the heart grow fonder. It definitely yeah, yeah, does definitely. does work in the allotment world as well.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, that that sort of, sort of applies to a lot of things. I mean, anything that you love, if you do it too much, you know, you are going to get a little bit um fatigued, like you said, and you just, you know, lose a bit of motivation and think, oh, do I really love this or am I just doing this? Yeah. And then for me, I have the added thing because um I have like my YouTube channel and stuff. So I feel like I'm sort of held accountable a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that it kind of hits me a bit harder because I'm like, do I really love growing and do I love my allotment plot? Or am I just doing it to keep up with my YouTube? So stepping back for me is really important because mm. I need to get that love back for actually gardening and remember I'm actually here to grow stuff and because it's good for me and because I love it, you know.
0: Definitely. I I don't know about you, but I always said that I would only do Instagram for as long as I enjoyed doing it and as long as it didn't kind of take away from the gardening aspect. Yeah. And it, again, there was a few points last year where I was like, I feel like I'm posting for the sake of posting. So I'm just going to stop for a few days because it, you like, there's only so much of your heart and soul you can pour into it sometimes. And then taking a break, stepping back and going back to just enjoying the actual thing that got you started, I think is really important.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, I love my Instagram. I love the community that I built up. I love seeing everybody else that... But- I, I don't know about you, but I, it gives me a bit of like envy sometimes when I see other people's allotments, and it's bigger than mine, it's better than mine. Um, more's growing, they've got more to post about because I've only got three things that are still alive and they've got 100 things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, it's not healthy. And I do have to take a step back sometimes when I get envious of other people. I think that's just, it's just human nature, isn't it? I think it's absolutely. absolutely yeah.
0: But I'm glad that we feel the same on that you know you and sometimes it's just nice to know that there are other people that feel the same way
1: yeah definitely yeah well yeah I am
0: <laughs> so now we'll move on to kind of what's coming up this year have you got some exciting projects in the works what kind of things are you planning to grow tell me everything
1: uh, okay right this year so this year is going to be a little bit slower I think I think I'm going to take it a little bit slower I'm taking it back to basics I think I really pushed last year like I said um I got a little bit big for my boots and thought right I'm an expert now um I think that happens when you get an Instagram and more people follow you and start asking you gardening questions Mm -hmm. Um, and I have realized hey I don't know as much as I think You know, I I could know actually. And actually, I'm going to take it back a little bit to basics. I'm going into this year with the mindset that I am a beginner, Mm -hmm. that I've never grown anything in my life. I have no idea what I'm doing. And even if there's something like a courgette plant that I'm very confident I could grow, I'm going to go back to basics and I'm going to look up when is the perfect time to sow it and what should I be doing to it. And just really going to um, like take it back to its simplest form. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not an expert and I'm going to go into it with that mindset that I want to learn as much as I can and just really slow the process down a little bit if that makes sense. Yeah
0: absolutely it's almost like honing your craft but in a bit of a unique way I love the idea of this.
1: Yeah yeah because I think yeah like I said I got a bit big for my boots last year and I want to learn more as well there's there's so much I think when you start gardening it's okay just to whack everything in right and I always say that on my channels. Whack it in, throw it in, throw a seed in, see if it grows, if it dies, it dies. But I think there does come a point when just whacking it in and hoping it doesn't die, like actually you can do a little bit more than that now. So I wanna learn more. I think the more that you do garden, the more you realize there's more stuff out there to learn. There's no dig, there's like permaculture, I don't even know what that is. Um, There's ways of being more environmentally friendly and encouraging wildlife, companion planting, so rubbish at that um tried it once or twice like half-heartedly it would love to actually have an allotment plot that where the bugs eat each other that sounds well amazing. the
0: nasturtiums or you're halfway there with the nasturtiums they're yeah, such a know, good companion got, planter
1: i've got three beds of them though <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i i would love that i mean just to be able to come down and just have like it's like building a company isn't it and then you know you've got all these workers in it you've got the ladybirds and the aphids and the slugs and then you've got the pigeons and they're all just looking after themselves and then you just rock up how's everyone doing take the register everyone's great Hey, okay, you're eating you you're eating you brilliant that sounds like the perfect allotment plot that's the plot I'm aspiring to <laughs> absolutely let nature do nature's
0: thing yeah definitely <laughs> So what kind of um, vegetables are you planning to grow? Do you grow many flowers as well? Sorry, that's two questions in one, but do you grow many flowers on your allotment?
1: I do, I do. I like to uh, whack everything together, really. Um, I do have a flower bed. It's got dahlias, gladiolises. I like to grow, grow uh, calendulas. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I grow? Cosmos. Oh, the double-headed Cosmos. So Ooh. many them. Love them. Um, I'm a big petal fan. Uh, what else? those are kind of my main flowers and then vegetables I guess I'm kind of doing the old typical allotment group of vegetables and doing the carrots the parsnips like I said courgettes um and the pumpkins as well tomatoes Mm. love growing tomatoes I think I would like to try a few odd things this year I tried to grow okra last year oh yeah didn't work But I think it could have because we had that massive heat wave and everyone says it has to be really hot to grow okra. Well, last Mm -hmm. year would have been the year. I think I just started it too early and it does. I might might try that again. Um, I'd like to, yeah, I'm going to go through some more unusual kind of things, look at some different varieties that I haven't grown before, I think. I
0: think that's always the exciting thing, isn't it? Especially when you get to go and like research and do a bit of a seed shop. Have you done your seed shopping for the year yet?
1: No, I haven't. Not yet. No. so You many are so have. restrained. <laughs> and so many people have, and and they've got piles and piles of seeds. No, I'm not there yet. I haven't done it because do you know why? I'll sow it all. I will plant it all now, and I know I cannot do that. So no, not yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've had to leave mine in my mum's house because I feel like I'll get carried away if I have it here. Yeah. And I will take it to the allotment, and then they'll. They'll not. They'll not be off to their best of starts. But I think I've already done like five seed shops. I'm ordering flowers for the farm as well. So some of them, I was like, I need to order the farm seeds to make sure I get the varieties. So I might as well order some of the allotment vegetables alongside that because it I makes love. sense. To, it makes sense to do it in one. But I've this year my my golden rule was to not just grow novelty vegetables for the sake of growing novelty vegetables. I wanted to go for things that were like the tastier version of their kind of species. Uh, And the only thing I've fallen down a well with so far is I did buy the salad blue potatoes because they're blue potatoes and they are a novelty. And I've heard that the texture is not great and they don't actually taste incredible compared to a potato. But one out of, you know, every other variety, I'm happy that I've just managed to only get sucked into the novelty well of one one plant
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I did that on my first year I brought I brought anything that said rainbow so yes <laughs> yeah like rainbow carrots uh rainbow beetroot rainbow chard everything was a rainbow um but purple carrots are disgusting white carrots not very nice the only carrots like are like orange <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do like the yellow ones I find some of the yellow ones can be quite like almost sweeter but I agree I'm not a big fan of the purple ones or the white ones either or the red ones
1: yeah. Oh, I didn't know you could get red ones, but yeah, no, I
0: probably wouldn't like those either. <laughs> I just think there's there there might be a reason why the orange ones have been the kind of prolific. Yeah, exactly. Prolific color of carrot for yeah. the for the foreseeable future. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's hard not to get sucked into the novelties, especially when you first get started. Like you say, with all the rainbow colors, and I think especially because it's kind of a whole new world of you didn't know that you could grow things in those colours and you just kind of feel like you need to do everything. Whereas after a few years, you're kind of like, I'm the same as you going back to the more traditional veg this year. And I say it every year. I'm like, I'm just going to grow what I like to eat. And then I grow like 20 courgette plants. And I'm like, I don't even like courgettes. I don't know why I've gone (laughs) OTT on these. But it's that kind of, it takes a long time to really hone what you want from the allotment. And I think because I had the year off veg last year, it's really made me excited about going back to it and because i didn't get to eat much produce last year this year i feel like i just want everything i want to be i want to be self sufficient for the summer at least yeah if i can like extend that a little bit further into the autumn then that's fantastic but at least for the summer i don't want to be buying any vegetables from anywhere i should have my own because i have the capability to do it and i have the space to do it
1: <laughs> yeah that's amazing that's that's such a big target Um, yeah I mean we're a family of four so I I find that quite daunting. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: I'm just one person so (laughs) if I can just feed me then that
1: shouldn't be too difficult. Well I think actually I think um, we could probably grow our own salad crops and probably feed the family with salad like Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'll have to buy lettuce I don't like buying lettuce anyway at the best of times like Um, because it doesn't taste the same as when you grow your own and it is such an easy thing to grow. Mm. Um, I have, I'm just looking at it now. I have a little courtyard garden just outside my back door, which is my kitchen, my kitchen door. Um, and I have loads of pots there. And last year I grew, um, some salad stuff there for the first time. And that was really amazing because you can pick it, take it straight indoors, like cook and eat it straight away. Um, that's really amazing. I'm definitely going to be growing more in my home garden this year as well. Um, like I said, my allotment plots 20 minutes away and I don't drive. Mm-hmm. So it's always a little bit of a nightmare trying to harvest stuff at the right time and then get it home, especially like big things. Like, you know, when you let your courgette go on and on and on and it becomes a <laughs> <laughs> And then you can't carry it home. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm gonna grow more here at home, I think. But I think it's a good target to try and at least, at least take something that you like to eat and be completely self-sufficient in that like maybe just like tomatoes or maybe yeah you know
0: that's a really good idea Mm. for me I reckon I could definitely be self-sufficient on carrots because last year I feel like like learning from your lessons maybe I haven't cracked it but (laughs) (laughs) last year we really cracked carrots and I've grown carrots successfully most years but last year was the one where it was really like the best we'd we'd done and again it was in a well-prepared ra- raised bed mixed with coir um okay. and we just sowed the seeds and left them and then I wish that we'd been a bit more successional with the sowings because we only did two but I think if we'd have kept on with the successional sowings that's the key for 2023 I think is successional sowings rather than sow everything at once and then that's it for the year
1: yeah, that's quite that. That's actually one of the hardest lessons I think for a beginner, definitely um, mm. the lesson I struggled with because I think when you think of your perfect allotment plot, and when I was cutting mine down for the first time, I had an image in my head of what I wanted the allotment plot to look like, and it had everything's growing, and it's really like you know everything's green and lush and everything. I've got lows growing, but you there there is no like magical like moment of the allotment plot where it is perfect because yeah <laughs> it keeps going. It's like New Year's Eve, you know, you, you sit up till midnight and you know you're waiting for it and you're counting it down and you're doing the countdown and it gets to midnight and immediately one second later we are already in the new year. Like it just keeps going. And that's kind of what an allotment garden or a vegetable garden is like. There isn't this magical moment. And if there is, it's only going to last about one day Mm-hmm. And then stuff is going to start to die and you're going to have to harvest stuff. And if you haven't sown something in its place or you haven't got something ready to go out, that's going to be a waste of space. That was a huge, huge lesson that I had to learn in my first year because I was working towards that moment and I got there and I'm really proud that I got there and I got the photo to prove it mm-hmm. um, and everything was growing. But obviously, then everything just started to die and I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready with the next thing to go in. So that's a, a massive lesson for anyone starting out is don't work towards that one elusive, incredible moment at your <laughs> allotment plant. Just keep going. Just keep going.
0: <laughs> Definitely. And it's always a constant process because... Like the plan that you have the first year and that first vision evolves as you see things from other people and you're inspired to try new things and build an archway or build a fire pit or add something yeah. else that's cool into your allotment. Like there is no final moment where you can sit back and go, well, that's done now. <laughs> it's yeah. it's complete. I've completed the
1: puzzle. Yeah, exactly. There is no moment of completion. That's, that's a big lesson, really hard to learn, because, Mm. you know, the society that we live in, we're very goal driven, and outcome driven as well. And, you know, it's always about where, where do you want to be? Where's your target? Where's your goal? Well, with a garden, you know, there is no one goal, because when you reach it, there'll just be another one, it will just change, your goal will just move, you just move the goalposts all the time. Um, and that's kind of it's both beautiful and lovely. And it's also can be quite frustrating, mm-hmm. um, especially as a beginner, because we, we brought up with the mindset that I should be working towards this, you know, and I have a goal to grow this. But then you do it and you're like, OK, um, it's not quite the same in gardening as it is with my job or <laughs> something else that, you know, it just keeps going. The gardens, it's all dying now. I've got to put something else in. I've got to do something else
0: yeah, there's always something more to be done, isn't there? Which is like you say, equally nice and a little bit annoying. But I think it it's what makes it exciting is that you never you never reach that moment where you're completely done. I think that's why people turn to gardening and they don't fall out of love with it because there's so much more to explore,
1: yeah, just keeps going. just mm. keeps just keeps going. It's why I guess they call it like the cycle, is it the life cycle? you know, it just, it just keeps rolling. It just keeps going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um So going back to a bit more about kind of you and your day to day life, how, I know that this varies throughout the year, but how long would you say you spend on your allotment each
1: absolutely. week, maybe? Well, if we're sort of going from, from when it actually gets going in the springtime, I suppose, Um, I try and get down there three or four times a week. I go just after the school run. So I drop my kids at school at about half past eight. Um, I walk straight to my allotment plot get there for around nine o'clock nine o'clock ish spend about an hour on the plot hour and a half straight back home Um, other stuff to do so not as much as I think people think that I spend there and always in the morning as well very Mm -hmm. rarely I get time to go down in the afternoon which is a big shame because obviously the light changes everything Mm. changes day goes on Um, But yeah, probably three or four hours a week, I would say I spend actively doing physical jobs and gardening jobs down there. Yeah.
0: That's really good to know, though, because I think, again, from a beginner's perspective, a lot of people think you even need to dedicate your entire life to being at the allotment. Yeah. Or you shouldn't have one because you're not committed enough. You don't have enough hours in your day, whereas actually it's that kind of like, squeezing in an hour here and there and you can get so much done in one hour when you set your mind to it
1: yeah you really really can I think maybe when you first take on an allotment plot it's a little bit deceiving Um, Mm -hmm. usually you're going to be given one which is a bit overgrown needs quite a lot of initial work Um, and I think that scares people a little bit because they think oh my goodness I've had to spend like you know my whole weekend down here trying to get it into shape I'm not going to be able to keep this up what's Mm -hmm. going on Actually, no, once you've got past that initial setup of your allotment plot, you started to establish, you know, um, like good bed maintenance, and you've mulched everything over, you've got your paths in place, um, you've got the weeds down, you start to grow stuff, actually, it becomes easier, you can lessen up the time you spend there, even in the spring, even in the summer, when it when it is that hectic, busy time, you still don't need to spend hours and hours down there at a time, you can if you want to. I mean, that's great. But if you only have an hour every day, that's fine. If you've only got two hours a week, that's fine. Make it work, you know? Absolutely. It is
0: accessible to everyone. And I think, as well, from the kind of
1: like, you don't have to do
0: everything at once. If you don't have loads of time, you can just focus on one patch at a time and go, right, going to focus on getting this bed to where it needs to be. I think breaking tasks down into more like digestible, bite sized pieces. It's probably like the number one thing to learn is you don't have to conquer a mountain in a day. It's just kind of like keep going a little bit, little and often.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, half of my allotment plot was covered with a ground sheet for most of my first year because I just couldn't take on all of it. I couldn't grow stuff at the be- at the front of it and then keep chopping the back down at the same time. So I just covered it over, left it for the autumn winter time, took it on another time, you know, just just manageable chunks, like you said
0: absolutely so thank you so much for your time today I'd like to finish off with just one kind of question which you may have already answered in this episode but I'd I'd be interested to see if you say something different or the same thing what would you say that your allotment has taught you over the last few years kind of the most important life
1: lesson um so many just to start (laughs) with uh very hard to choose one um I think the biggest lesson it's learned is that I am incredibly impatient (laughs) <laughs> um and I don't just mean that about you know growing stuff and you need a lot of patience when when you put seeds in the ground and you need to nurture them and there's that kind of patience but also um an impatience with nature in general <clears throat> I'm not very forgiving of nature and I've had to reteach myself how to interact with nature as a Londoner and someone who didn't grow up with all this nature around me all the time I always saw it as the enemy I didn't have a lot of patience for the birds when they came down and ate my seeds off the ground you know I was really angry with them Mm -hmm. I didn't have patience for the fox that kept visiting and digging everything up and taking a poo in the middle of my my raised bed so I've had to reteach myself how to be patient with nature and how to work alongside it it's probably the, the biggest lesson that I've learned
0: I think that's a really, really, really beautiful lesson to have learned as well. I would totally agree. I didn't realise quite how impatient I was until then, and like you say, that that you're kind of you feel like nature's the enemy is such a now feels like such a strange thing to have thought. Yeah, but when you don't know any better, I guess it's just that kind of yeah, fascinating.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, th- again, thank you so much for your time today, and um. Can you let everyone know where they can find more of your adventures, where they can find you on YouTube, on Instagram, anywhere else where you might be?
1: Yes, sure. So I am uh, Emma's Allotment Diaries over all of them. I'm on the TikTok, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, Emma's Allotment Diaries.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Well, I cannot wait to see all of the beautiful things that you grow this year.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.
0: You made it to the end of the episode which means you must have enjoyed it and if you did I'd be ever so grateful if you could head to your favourite podcasting app to give us a follow and leave us a little review which helps to get these stories out to more amazing planty people. If you've got any questions or stories you'd like to share find me over at Diary of a Lady Gardener on Instagram and don't forget to head to Akai for some fabulous new outdoor wear using the code D-O-A-L-G-20 for 20% off your order. That's all from me this week. Happy growing!